Grace be to you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We turn our attention, as I said earlier, to our second lesson, Ephesians chapter 4, as God, through the Apostle Paul, encourages us to be continually renewed, taking off the old and putting on the new. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus said to the paralyzed man who was brought to him, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he said to him, Get up and walk. By the power of the word of Jesus, both things happened. And the man got up and walked. Not only got up, but he was able to pick up the stretcher on which he had been carried to Jesus and carry that stretcher back home with him. Now, if you were that man who was healed by Jesus, how would you feel? One of the men over at Ridgewood yesterday said, ecstatic, as he sat in his wheelchair. You'd be filled with joy and thankfulness. You'd be literally jumping for joy now that you could. You'd be going through in your mind all the ways that you could show your thankfulness to Jesus and whatever you would think of, you'd realize, oh, it's still not quite enough. You'd be more than willing to do anything that Jesus asked you to do. You and I can identify with that paralyzed man. Jesus hasn't healed us from paralysis. But remember, he didn't just heal that man's physical problem. He, first of all, more importantly, took care of his spiritual problem. First, he said, you could cheer, your sins are forgiven, take heart. Then, he said, get up and walk. We identify with this man spiritually. For all of us were spiritually paralyzed by birth. None of us, by our own power, could get up and walk on the road that leads to our eternal home by our own power, by ourselves. We were born dead in trespasses and sin, the Bible says. But our parents brought us to be healed. They brought us to Jesus to be healed. They brought us to baptism. They taught us about Jesus. They brought us to hear over and over again, our sins are forgiven. And through the power of the word, the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts. By the power of the word, we were brought to faith. A new man was created in us. day in and day out, because we still continue to sin. We need to hear those words of Jesus over and over and over again. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. You aren't going to get what you deserve. You're not going to get the punishment that you should have for your sins. I've forgiven them. I've taken them away. Doesn't that fill you with joy and happiness, excitement, just like that man who was physically healed? Don't you want to tell
tell God thank you? Don't you want to think of all the ways that you can show Jesus that you appreciate that he saved you from something worse than paralysis? He saved you from eternal punishment. By the power of God, you, have, you who were dead in sin, who were enemies of God by nature, have been called to life again, have been called to be his friends and called to serve. So Paul begins this first chapter of Ephesians, this fourth chapter of Ephesians, if you look back to the first verse, encourages us to live a life worthy of our calling. Or he put it another way in his letter to the Romans, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves to God as living sacrifices. See, Jesus didn't save us from sin and death and from the power of the devil so that we could continue to sin all we wanted. He saved us from sin, death, and the power of the devil so that we would be, out of thankfulness for what he's done for us, encouraged to serve him and to serve our neighbor. So Paul says, as far as your former way of life, your life as an unbeliever, as far as that life is concerned, you were taught to take off the old self which corrupted by its deceitful desires. As one who has been forgiven, has been called to be a child of God and an heir of eternal life, consider yourself dead to sin. Don't continue to live in it any longer. Be renewed continually in the spirit of your mind. The word continually is important. It's there because the translators saw that renew is in the present tense. Something that's always present in our lives. Every day, we need to be renewed over and over and over again. Every time we become conscious of our sin, whether it's our sinfulness as a human being or whether it's a sin that we've committed, we want to confess that sin. And after we have confessed that sin, we need to hear over and over and over again take heart. Your sins are forgiven. See, that's what renews us. That's what fills us again with joy and thankfulness to God. That's what motivates us to take off the old, to avoid sin, to do all we can to, to serve God and show our thankfulness to Him. That's what helps us recognize that the desires of our sinful nature and the world, they're deceitful. They don't give what they promise. Whatever joy and happiness they might provide is fleeting. It doesn't even last very long in this world, much less throughout all eternity. So as those who have been forgiven and called to be children of God and heirs with Jesus of eternal life, we don't want to be clothed with the filth of the world around us. But we want to put on the new self, which has been created to be like God in righteousness and true holiness. We want our new man, our faith to be in control. But in order for that to happen, that new man of faith needs constant strengthening. I remember that the Apostle Paul tells us that inside of us, each of us as Christians, there's a, a war going on, a battle is going on all the time between that sinful nature with which we were born and that new man of faith that was created in us by the gospel constantly clashing. And so if that new man of faith isn't strengthened constantly, 
through the word and the sacrament, it's going to grow weaker and weaker and weaker. And then you know what's going to happen. That old man that sinned is going to win more and more battles, and eventually you could lose your faith. The new man of faith needs to be strengthened constantly, day in and day out, by hearing the good news of the gospel over and over and over again. And as we hear the good news of the gospel and the word and the sacrament, our lives will produce fruit. Our light will shine. It will become evident that we are what God called us to be, his dear children and heirs of eternal life. Now to make sure that we understand what he's talking about when he says, take off the old and put on the new, the Apostle Paul uses three examples. He says, therefore, after you put away lying, let each of you speak truthfully with your neighbor, because we are all members of one body. The devil is the father of lies. That's his native language, and if so, if, if we lie, we're speaking the devil's language, not our Heavenly Father's language. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. God's word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what we want. We want the truth. Because of what God has done for us in Jesus, because he has filled our hearts with the truth through faith, we want to put away lying and do everything we can to speak the truth in love. If we do something sinful or something hurtful, instead of trying to cover it up or excuse it with a lie, we speak the truth, we confess it, and ask for forgiveness. Second example, Paul says, Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil an opportunity. There is such a thing as righteous anger. As children of God, when we see God's word twisted or ignored, that should make us angry. When we see God rejected, when we see those who claim to be Christians persecuted or hurt, those things should make us angry. As children of God, the things that make God angry should make us angry. But Paul says, watch out. Unlike God, our anger can easily turn to hatred and to jealousy and to revenge. says, watch out. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't hold on to your anger. Don't dwell on it. Don't hold a grudge. Don't give the devil an opportunity. That's what God was warning Cain about. Cain was jealous and angry that his sacrifice to God was not accepted, but his brother's was accepted. And God came to him and he said, Watch out, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Put off the old self. Unfortunately, Cain didn't listen and became the first murderer. And the third example that the Apostle Paul gives us of putting off the old and putting on the new. Let the one who has been stealing, steal no longer. Instead, let him work hard, doing what is good with his own hands, so that he has something to share with the person who is in need. If you're stealing, stop. Now, that makes sense. 
But if that's all Paul said, it wouldn't be really any different than an unbeliever realizing, well, I better stop because I might get caught and I don't want to suffer the consequences. Paul's talking about more than that, isn't he? Don't just put off the old, put on the new. He's talking about a complete change of attitude. See, the attitude of stealing is this. You have more than I think you should have. You have more than I think you should deserve. I don't have what I think I need, and I don't have what I think I deserve. Therefore, I'm justified in taking some of what you have for myself. But the new man is a completely different attitude. The new man says, I don't deserve anything that I have. Everything that I have is a gift from God. I don't get to keep it. I don't get to take it with me. I just get to manage it while I'm here on earth. God has blessed me with abilities and opportunities. So I'm going to take every opportunity to have everything that is before me and, and do everything to the best of my ability and to the glory of God, not just so I can support myself and my family, but so that I can have something to share with those in need. That person has truly put off the old and put on the new. Paul has given us some very practical examples of what it means to do that. Take off the old sinful nature, put on the new man of faith. Do that constantly, be renewed in the spirit of your mind every day. But it's important that we recognize it's not just following examples outwardly. It's a matter of standing before God each day and recognizing we deserve his punishment for our sins. We have sinned and we deserve eternal punishment. But instead of giving us what we deserve, God says to us, take heart, your sins are forgiven. I left the glory and perfection of heaven to come into this sin-infested, messed-up world. I came into this world and I kept all of those commandments that you've broken. I did it in your place. I had the Father punish me and give me the punishment that you deserve for all of those sins. I died and I rose again to show my victory over sin, death, and Satan. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. As we hear that good news each and every day, we're filled with joy and thankfulness. Our hearts are changed. We're renewed in the spirit of our minds. We recognize the deceitfulness of our sinful nature and about the world around us. We strive to avoid sin and to do all we can to serve God and our neighbor in love. We continually take off the old man and put on the new until that day when Jesus comes again in the clouds of heaven and takes it off for us, that old man completely gone, so that we're now able to live in the presence of God in righteousness and perfection for all eternity. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.